Well, it is so good to be back together with you, and I am so grateful uh, that the, we got to spend the time away. I want to share a little bit about that in a minute. But before I do, hey, you were given this card. We mentioned it at the beginning. This is what I want you to do. This card, um, I want you to just set it aside. I know it's going to be hard not to read. Many of you have already read it. Uh, you're going to see that on that card is an opportunity for every one of us to respond, and I'm going to encourage every one of us to respond at the end of today's service, and, um, but set it aside just for now. Um, hey, if you're new with us, my name is Casey, and I'm one of the pastors here. I'm so grateful that you're with us today, and we get to be together with you. Uh, just a reminder to those of you that are new with us, there's a Connect card located in the seat back of that chair in front of you. Take a moment, fill that out. Before you leave today, take it back to the welcome table and give it to the, the host there. They'd love to give you a gift for being with us. I said, and yes, it is a bribe. I say this quite often here. It's a bribe because we want you to come back. We want you to be a part of our church family. We believe that being a part of a church family and being around a church family is really best for you. And so we want you to come back and we hope that we can be a church family for you and your family. So take that Connect card. We have a gift for you in the back of the room. For those of you that are joining us online, we're so grateful to be together with you today. Hey, Westside, let's give those of you that are new with us as well as those online a big welcome today. Will you do that with me? Yeah. Yeah. So good. Well, I want to thank uh, our pastoral team. I want to thank our leadership team. I want to thank all of our leaders who serve. I want to thank our finance team. Uh, for the gift that uh, Westside gave me and allowing me and my family to take a sabbatical. It was an incredible gift. And I also want to just say to you, and, and, and they may hear this, they may not hear this, but I'm so grateful for the pastoral elders at our parent church, who uh, they're in Westside Family Church in Lenexa, who encouraged me last year to take a sabbatical. And because of 2020, I didn't take it last year, but they said, no, you need to take it this year. And I was so grateful that they did. And it, my family and I, it, it, we were blessed by it. I was blessed by it. And some of you have asked what we've done. I just want to give you a, a quick bullet, um, uh, you know, Reader's Digest version of what we did. That first week, I stayed home and we stayed at the house. And my wife still had some work to do. But uh, I, I finished some projects that I hadn't been able to finish around the house. And there were actually moments that I was just walking around just doing nothing and just pacing the floor. And if you know me, I, I have to do something. <laughs> It's in me to do it. And Cassie just said, dude, go finish something. So I think I was irritating her. But so that first week I finished some projects. No, I wasn't. She was, she was so grateful, uh, gracious. And uh, we finished some projects around the house. The second week I took three days of solitude. And I went in my RV and I've got a, we got a camper. And we, I pulled it out just by myself. And I pursued Jesus down at Clinton Lake just for three days. And, and it was a beautiful time that I got to do that. And then after that, I came back. We loaded everything into our camper that we could and possibly needed for two weeks. And we went down to Table Rock Lake and uh, that area and spent two weeks together as a family just resting and having fun together. And, um, and then we came back for a week. and was here with you last Sunday. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you so much for the gift. I'm so grateful that Westside Family Church is not, not about one of us, and it's not about one person individual. It's about all of us. And it's not really even about all of us. It's about Jesus, and that's why all of us come together. And we're going to hear a little bit about that today. In fact, this is, let's dive into today's teaching because this is what we're all about. Um, we're, we're here, and we're here for Jesus. And, 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 and what you're for is so important. And, and this is an important thing to, to just really identify what you 
are for. And, and so in, in this world, we're for so many things. See, what you're for is what you're going to give your time, your energy, your money. Um, it, it's what you're going, to, you're going to do in life. It's going to be revealed in, in what you do. And, and see, what you're for is, is so important. In fact, it, this is why I think there are so many people that are pushing us to know and to give a voice for what we are for. This is why in the, the, like in the, the, the political climate we are in, that people are pushing us to be a voice for something. It's because they want to know what you're for. And really, what we are for identifies something. See, what we are for reveals who we are. What you're for reveals who you are. are. And this is so important for the church. This is, this is so important for a church to know what we are for. And, and, and I, you know, we need to know what are we known for. Because there's something important. We need to know what we are for. We need to have a clear, identified understanding of what we are for. And then we need to ask the question, what are we known for in our community? Because here's the reality is we may say we are for something, but the community might think we are for something totally different. And, and what we want is we want there to be alignment, alignment in what we state we are for, and the community to say on the inside that there's integrity, yeah, this is what they are for. And so in this, what we are for is so important because it reveals who we truly are. And this is what Given For, this series is all about. See, what we are for is what, where we're going to give our time, where we're going to give our thoughts, we're going to give our money, we're going to give our energy, and we're going to give our efforts. And we're going to be given for the things that we are truly for. And we want to clearly state who we are for, and we want to clearly state why we are for who and what we are for. We want them to line up. We want there to be integrity in that. Now, last week we saw who we are. Last week we, we talked about how what Jesus has done for us, has, ha, he, has, he, he has forgiven us, and we are forgiven. And if you missed last week's teach, teaching, um, I, I, you can go back and log on to our website or app and listen to it. And, and I just want to encourage you, don't miss a week. When you miss a week, you miss a whole lot. And so I want to encourage you to make sure you're keeping up and, and you're here as often as you can. And or for those of you that are joining us online, stay with us. Keep on jumping it online because you miss a lot when you don't see what we learned last week who we are we are forgiven we are a people who are loved by God and be through his son Jesus death life and res life death and resurrection we are given forgiveness and because we are forgiven we can be given for something see we are forgiven so now we can be given for Jesus his church and for our cities this is what it means to be forgiven to be for Jesus, to be for his church. And we're going to see that it means to be for our cities. And because we're loved and forgiven, we can be given for, we can give our, all of us everything for Jesus primarily. And then we'll give everything for each other. And we'll give everything for those that are outside who are far from God so they can too discover the same life that we have freely received in the grace and the forgiveness of Jesus. This is the life of a Christ follower. This is the life of a Christ follower, to be forgiven by him and to give our lives freely. See, we don't give our lives to receive salvation. We give our lives because we have already freely received everything we need in Jesus. To follow Jesus is to know that you're forgiven and to know who you're for, his church, for Jesus, his church, and for to be on mission together with the church, to reach those who are far from God by sharing 
Jesus. Now, I want to jump into Scripture. In, in Scripture, uh, Jesus identifies who we need to be for in this. And he, he had just, where we're going to jump in, Jesus had just fed the 5,000. And so if you remember, Jesus fed 5,000. Another time he fed 4,000. And just to kind of give you perspective on this, this was 5,000 men. In that day and age, they didn't count the women and children, their numbers. They just counted the men that were present. And so this could be easily some people believe 20,000 people at minimum that Jesus had just done this amazing miracle with. And so just to say that Jesus had become a a central figure in the city, I mean, when you feed a city's worth of people in a miracle, you're going to become popular. So Jesus now a popular figure amongst the people. Jesus had just, um, all the crowd is asking about him. and, and, And then Jesus continues to travel. And as he's continuing to travel, we find out in the Gospel of Mark that he's traveling in this area called Caesarea Philippi. And in Luke's gospel, Luke says after they've, they, they left this um, feeding of the 5,000, Jesus and his disciples get away to pray. And they get away to pray. And in this moment that they're praying, one morning as they're praying, up on a, likely on a mountaintop just away from the crowd, Jesus asks his disciples a big question. A, one, a question that every one of us need to answer in our life. And Jesus answers a question to, or not answers, he asks a question to the disciples. Who do people say that I am? Who does the city say? What, what does the city say we're known for? Who does the city say I am in this? And we find out that Peter responds in this, in, 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 a, in a secondary question. So they, they say all this, and we find out in Mark, I'm sorry, so we find out in Mark's gospel that hey, th- these other people reply, this is what the people say uh, you are. And uh, in Matthew's gospel, this is what the people say you are. And then Jesus turns the question directly to the, the disciples. And he asks the disciples, what about you? What about you, Peter, James, John, Thaddeus, Bartholomew? Um, who do you say that I am? And Peter, we find out, in one of the other Gospels, this was, in, this was divine revelation from God. But this is what Luke says. Peter answered, God's Messiah. And this word Messiah means deliverer, savior, anointed one who was prophesied to come and deliver the people. You're, you're God's Messiah. And, and Jesus then does something. He strictly warns them not to tell this to anyone. And then he says, the Son of Man, which was also a title that Jesus would give himself, identifying with this prophetic Messiah that was prophesied Messiah that was come. The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Now, here is a very... Um, strong moment that Jesus has with the disciples. And this is not just the first time or the only time that Jesus tells his disciples, I'm going to die and then I'm going to come back to life. I'm going to suffer, I'm going to die, and I'm going to come back to life. He does this several times. And, and in this time, this is one of the many times that Jesus does this and to get his disciples to realize that he had to suffer, that he had to die, and then he would come back to life. See, we need to understand something, that his Messiah... Him as deliverer was connected to his life, death, and resurrection. This is what he was telling his disciples. See, the, Jesus' life, death, and resurrection would make it possible for the forgiveness of sins to be, be available to all who trust in him. This is how forgiveness of sins, this is how he would become the savior to all who would trust in him. It's through his life, death, and his resurrection. 
See, the Messiah would have to die, and the Spirit of God would bring him back to life so he could forgive the sins of all who trust in him. See, this is who Jesus was, Messiah. And it determines who we are. We're forgiven. In this, we see this because we are forgiven. We can be for Jesus. And this is what Jesus goes on to say. He says, then he said to them all, because he wants you to know what it means to be for him. He says to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Strong words to hear. Whoever wants to be my disciple, you want to be for me? You want to be for me? You, you want to accept me as your Messiah? You must deny yourself. You must die to yourself daily and then come follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the son of man, will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Jesus is saying, yeah, I'm Messiah. And you want to be for me? You got to follow me. And here's how you follow me. You must deny yourself. You must die to yourself daily. That's what it looks like to be for me. While I was on sabbatical, I was reading um, this, this passage in one of the other gospels. And just, I, I wrote something down. And it just became a meaningful thought. And it just, not a thought, it became something that I want to aspire to. And I put, wrote it down just in, in a piece of paper I have. And I, got, I now have it on my computer screen at my office desk. And it says, my soul comes alive when I come to the end of myself. I mean, this is what Jesus was teaching. Your soul comes alive when you come to the end of yourself. Hey, you want to find your life? You, you want to find yourself? Come to the end of yourself. And, and, and you can't, because you, when you come to the end of yourself, you're going to follow Jesus. And when you come to yourself and you put, put your eyes and you're for Jesus, you're going to find yourself. And there is life when you come to the end of yourself and follow him. This is what it means to be for Jesus. This deny yourself message that Jesus would teach, he, he, this would echo through many of his teachings. And it would echo, it would be a common message that he would say. And, and as Jesus would continue to teach, he, he, would, he would say this theme, this is what it means to be for me. You've got to give up everything if you're going to be for me. That, that, that it looks like you so much to the essence that you, it looks like you're not even for yourself because you're for me. It even looks like you're not even for others because you're for me. And this is what he says to kind of echo that. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus. And turning to them, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, look at this. Yes, even their own life. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. If you can't deny even yourself and carry your cross, you're not for me. Now, he uses a strong word here that hate 
And, and that, that word is a strong word. And he's, I want to be clear, Jesus is not teaching us to hate our family. He's not. Clearly, we can see in Scripture, Matthew 5, verse 43, Jesus reverses actually the cultural understanding of hate. He said, you've heard it said, uh, love your neighbor and hate your enemies. But I say, love your enemies. So he reverses the teaching on hate. What he's doing here is he's setting a picture for our minds to see that to follow him, to be devoted to him, to be loyal to him, to make him first in your life, to turn toward him. Sometimes you may even have to turn your back. It, it appears to others like you've turned your back on them. It doesn't mean they hate. It means it, it may look to your family like they that you hate them because you've turned toward Jesus. Now, we really don't understand this in our American culture because of the religious freedom that we have. But in other cultures, in other nations, for our Muslim brothers and sisters who raised Muslim and they put their faith in Jesus as Savior and Lord, their family, it's seen as hate. It's seen to them that because they put their faith in Christ, they've rejected, they hate their family. And because of that, their family has kicked them out, kicked that Christ follower out of their family. Now, in our day and age, it may not be that, but, but in something like this, th this picture of devotion to what following Jesus, to be for Jesus looks like, to deny yourself, it, may mean, it means that we're more loyal to Jesus than to anyone else. It means to make him first. And when we make Jesus first in our life, it appears like everybody else is second. See, while we may not have it to the extreme of those in other countries, we may have to turn down an invitation to take the trip with those guys that we used to always take or the tr take the trip with those gals that we used to always take because we now are devoted to Christ. And because this, we know that we follow Jesus and that doesn't honor Jesus. Or maybe it's, this is, uh, we need to um, pursue, a, a, we, instead of pursuing a relationship, we need to stop pursuing that relationship because we know that relationship doesn't honor Christ. And so it appears to the other person that we hate them because of our devotion to Jesus. It's to say no to maybe that business deal or that opportunity. And it's in saying no to that business deal because you know that it doesn't honor Jesus. It doesn't follow him. It's not putting him first. That it's almost like you're turning your back on your business partner or the other person that you had that relationship with. See, this is the devotion of the loyalty that we have to Jesus. He is first. To make Jesus first, Jesus would echo this. He is Lord. He is Lord. He is Messiah, and he is also Lord. See, to deny yourself, die to yourself, is to be for Jesus as the master of your life, to say, I am complete obedience to you. See, Jesus would call himself Messiah, and he would also call himself Lord. And this was not just him calling. See, the angel declaration coming into when they announced Jesus, he is Christ the Christ is the Messiah. He is Messiah, the Lord. He's not just a Savior. He is also the King and Lord of all. And we cannot accept Jesus as Savior without him being our Lord. See, to be for Jesus, we must accept that Jesus is Lord. We cannot be for Jesus if he is not Lord. We, you might be for the idea of Jesus, but you're not for Jesus if he is not the master or the Lord of your life. See, your mom is not your Lord. Your daddy's not your Lord. If some of you need to hear this, your kids are not your Lord. Your brothers and sisters aren't your Lord. Your boss is not your Lord. Jesus alone is your Lord. And to accept him as your Savior means he is the king of your life. And we cannot accept him as Savior without 
accepting him as Lord. Jesus would continue to teach, and he would say to the disciples there and all those listening, he said, you need to consider the cost of what it means to follow me. He says, I'm giving you a warning of the cost to follow me. And Jesus says that we need to consider the cost of putting him first. And as builders consider the cost of building a building, before they lay the foundation, they know what it's going to cost them. And, and, And when we are forgiven, while we are freely forgiven, we know that he's our savior because of his forgiveness to us. But he's also our Lord, so we can freely give everything back to him and give our lives to him. And we cannot accept Jesus as Savior without him being our Lord. We can't say, Jesus, you're my Messiah, Deliverer, Savior, and not make you the Lord of our life. And in this, this is how we trust in his will. See, we love saying Jesus loves us. We love saying, Jesus, you forgive us. We're so grateful for your grace. The question is, will you follow him as your Lord? If you can trust Jesus with the impossible, your salvation, then you can trust his will over the way you want in life. That's the question we got to ask. Can we give up our, what, all the things we want for his will in our life? Can we deny ourselves, die to ourselves, and follow him? Or do we only want to follow him when his will lines up with our way? Is that the only time we'll follow him? See, to be forgiven, we must be given for Jesus. And we need to consider the cost in this. So consider the cost. And this is what Jesus said. In the same way, those of you who do not give up, and he says it clearly, do not give up everything. You have, cannot be my disciples. Let me be clear on this. You don't give your life to receive salvation. But because you freely received the most incredible gift of all, the for, a relationship with God through the grace of God, through the death, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, because you've received life with him, the most impossible thing, you now have the power to freely give everything back to your Savior and Lord. See, to accept God's gift of salvation is to give our lives for Jesus. To accept Jesus as Savior and receive his gift of salvation is the same as making Jesus the Lord of your life. Those two are one in the same. He's your master. You are no longer the master of your life. And because you've received everything in Jesus, you now can give everything for Jesus. So what does it mean to be given for Jesus? And we need to ask this. What's this mean? What does this look like, Jesus? How do we do this? How do we give everything for him. Well, Jesus did tell us, deny yourself, die to yourself, and follow me. And then the night before Jesus goes to the cross, he gives you and I the clearest and most beautiful picture of what it means to be for Jesus. And so he gathers his disciples together the night before he knew he was going to die. And he, the night he knew he would suffer all these many things. And, and he would gather with the disciples, and in this moment it would change everything in history. And Jesus knew, we read in John's gospel, that the Father had put all things under his feet, under his power. It was under his authority. And that he had come from God and was returning to God. Just pause right now. See, Jesus knew who he was. Jesus knew what he had, all the authority and all the power. 
And Jesus knew who he was for, and you're about ready to see who he was for. So he gets up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. At this moment, the disciples would be confused, but also humiliated, because here the man who was at the head of the table took abandoned his place and did for the disciples what the lowest of the disciples should have done for Jesus. And he serves them. And this is what Jesus was saying. Yeah, I'm, I'm setting an example here. They knew they should have washed Jesus' feet because of who Jesus was. And in verse 12, we read what Jesus says and what he does, what he does after this. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done? Look at this. For you. Do you understand what I've done for you? See, Jesus knew who he was, and that meant he knew who he was for. Do you understand what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so. That is who is what I am. And then look what he says. Now that I, and look at it, he reverses this. Your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also. Thaddeus, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also. Peter, listen to me. I mean, you, you kind of speak up in the wrong time of things. Listen to me. You, I, your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also. James and John, I know you were arguing all the way up to this moment about who's going to be the greatest. Listen to this. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also. You also. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. Who is he talking to? He was saying, no, you, you need to wash each other's feet. Right here. Right here. You need to wash each other's feet. See, if you and I were there, I think he would look at you and I and he would say, I, your Lord and teacher, have given my life for you. And he was just about ready to show them the most beautiful example of washing someone's feet by denying himself, dying, not just to himself, but dying for all people to invite you into the same life that he would experience in the resurrection life so you can have eternal life and a relationship with God forever. And he would look at you and say, now that I, your Lord and teacher, washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set an example that you should not consider this, that maybe, you know, hey, you know, when you feel good about it, when, when it, you know, when, when your schedule's open, no, you should. I've set the example that you should do as I have done for you. That you should do as I have done for you. Jesus would do more than wash the disciples' feet. He would do more than just service. He would give us life through his death. And who Jesus was would be revealed in what Jesus would do. Jesus, your Savior and your Lord, served you and brought you into the kingdom 
of God. And knowing who you are reveals what you do. Knowing who we are, we are the body of Christ. We are saved, forgiven. And because he's our savior, he's not just our savior. He is Lord. And because Jesus, our Lord, set this example, we're not going to consider this. These are marching orders. These are commands. And knowing who we are, this is what we do. And this is where we do it, right here, the body of Christ. This is where we start. We can say, no, Casey, you know, I'd rather serve outside. No, no, you don't understand. To serve outside the body of Christ without serving inside the body of Christ is not Jesus being the Lord of our life. He said, you also should wash one another's feet. It should start here and bleed out into our community. This is where it begins. We are forgiven. He leveraged his position and his power for our benefit. What do we do? We leverage our position. We leverage our resources. We leverage everything we have for the benefit of those around us, for the one next to you. That's what we do. We also wash one another's feet. And it's not about washing one another's feet. Jesus did that. It was a practical thing that he did. doesn't mean we need to get foot basins out here, okay? Don't worry. It's not going to happen. Here's a teaching big idea I want to leave you with today. We're given for Jesus, and that means we are given for each other. This is what it means to be given for Jesus. We serve one another. If in the body of Christ, we radically serve one another. Why? Because Jesus is Lord. Yes, he's Savior. We're forgiven, and he's Lord of our life, and we show it by washing one another's feet. This means none of us is above the one next to us. See, I love this church. It's not about any one of us because it's not about, because none of us are above serving the one next to us. This is the church. This means there is no task below you because what Jesus modeled for us, there's nothing below you. I love the people in our church who leverage their position and their power and they serve here because they see this is a worship service. We don't come just to sing. We come to serve one another because he is Lord. See, this is that Jesus is Lord, therefore we serve. I love people in our community who do this, like my, my friend Jim, who's been faithful to come. And, and he, Jim has had people serve him in the military. He's retired. And he knows what it has to give a command and have people take orders. You know what he comes and shows up and does? On a regular week, he'll show up several times and say, what do you guys need in the building? I'll help. And you know who's serving? He's serving you by fixing leaky toilets, cleaning toilets that need to be cleaned. He serves you. I love men and, and, and women, like, women like Julie, who's, who serves in the school during the week. And she comes, you know, I want, I want, I want to, she's helped us with our landscaping around here. I love what Kelsey does. Kelsey is one of our college students who's gone off to school, going off to school. And she's going to come back, uh, drive a couple hours to be here with your middle school and high school kids. Why? Because Jesus is Lord. Therefore, she serves. And the people she wants to primarily serve is the people within the local church. Shelly, one of our successful businesswomen who, who has a successful business. And she shows up here every Sunday, comes to the first service so she can serve in this service and serve you in, in a classroom with your kids. Because Jesus is Lord. Therefore, I serve. 
I will you also with all of us here. We will, this is why I show up every Sunday. It's not because I'm paid to do it. It's because this is a you also. This is what I do to serve the local church. This is what we do. We serve one another. And this is why being a part of the local church, being here every week to, is an opportunity for us to serve one another. It's just not to sit in a row. No, it's the opportunity to serve one another. This is why we have come three services so you can serve one another in another service. This is what it means to be the body of Christ. See, your value is not in what you do, but it's in what's been done for you. You're, we don't serve because it brings value to us. We serve because of what has already happened inside of us by what Jesus has done for us. I could go on and on about people in our church who serve on a regular basis because Jesus is Lord. The bottom line, Jesus is Lord. And you're, they've served because of what Jesus has done for them. Therefore, they serve. And Jesus would end, he, not end this, he would say something, and this is a statement we come to quite a bit because this sentence, these, these two statements here are so central to our faith of how we live out following Jesus. And Jesus would look at his disciples at night. He would say, a new command I give you, love one another. By this, he goes, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone. By the way you love one another here, everyone will know that you're my disciple. By the way you love one another here, everyone will know I'm your Lord. If you love one another. Because we're forgiven, because he's Lord, we serve. See, we are commanded to show others their value and love them the way Jesus loved us. See, our value is from Jesus loving us. And that's why we can leverage everything we have. This is why my kids will never play in a competitive league that takes them away from Sundays. I'm just telling you, I'm not putting guilt on anybody here. It's because the commitment to Jesus, he's our Lord, means we're committed to a local church family. And I wanna, I wanna encourage you to be committed to the local church family. And one of the ways that you can show your commitment to Jesus as your Lord is serving in the local church. And I say all of this not to guilt you or manipulate you, but to give you the Holy Spirit opportunity to lead and guide you. You were given this postcard when you walked in. And, and this is what I want you to do. I just want you to take a moment. Every one of us has an opportunity to respond. And if there's a place that you could explore serving, you're not signing up to serve, by the way. This is just, you would like to explore this. If you'd like to serve because Jesus is Lord and, and we want to exercise this within this community here, we just, I want you to fill this out. We have a spot for everybody. For those of you that just don't feel led to serve right now, it's a, there's a response there for you that you can check the box and you can mark. But this is what it means to follow Jesus. To be for Jesus means to be for each other. And there's no better way to show up and to show that we're for Jesus by showing up to serve one another. So thank you for all, to all of you who regularly serve. Thank you. Thank you for making Jesus Lord of your life. Thank you for those of you that are gonna make a next step. And may we continue to be a church that is for Jesus. And the way the world's gonna know we're for Jesus is we are radically for each other. Father, thank you. Thank you for being for us to the extent that you would send your own son to come live the life that we couldn't live, 
to die the death that we deserve to pay and to come back to life and freely give life to anyone who would just put their eyes on you and trust in you as their Lord and Savior. Because we're forgiven, we will be for Jesus. We will be given for each other and being for his church. And we will be given for our cities. So all who are far from God can know that Jesus is the light and the love that this world needs to hear about. In your name, amen. Take a moment, fill that out. And we have people at the back that would love to take those just in a basket. You can drop it in as you leave. God bless you, Westside, and we'll see you next Sunday.